It's Bigfoot Collectors Club with Bryce and Michael. <laughs> I know a ghost story or two. Let's do this. <laughs> everybody, welcome to a brand new episode of Bigfoot Collectors Club, the show where we talk to amazing guests about their personal paranormal history and share stories of high strangeness. I am your host, Michael McMillan. With me always is your other host, Bryce Johnson. And super producer, Riley Bray. Guys, wet, hot, alien summer <laughs> begins. Is that a thing? <laughs> yes, all summer long, we will be focusing on stories of the extraterrestrial variety, both here and on the other side. Available right now on the BCC Patreon is our Bigfoot Movie Club review of The Vast of Night, a brand yep. new sci-fi indie that we are all obsessed with. So if you're interested and able to support the show and unlock three to five bonus episodes every month, head on over to patreon.com slash Bigfoot Collectors Club and support BCC for a pledge of only $5 a month. But yes, it is Wet Hot Alien Summer. Uh, the credit of that name goes to Mr. Riley Bray. I was going to call I'm it. I'm so glad you went with that. I was going to call it something <laughs> I like, different. I was like, please use this. <laughs> I was going to use something different. And I was like, no, that's way better than what I had. That's so perfect. Let's go Although I don't know what makes it that. wet, but I'm curious to find out. Uh, well, you find out in those encounters, man. Close encounters. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, I want to get right into the show. Today's guest is an LA-based comic and writer. You may have seen her appear on such shows as All Rise, Tacoma FD, and Drunk History, just to name a few. She co-hosts the podcast Mega alongside past guest Greg Hess. Boys and girls, please give a warm Club Scout salute to Holly Lauren. Hello. Hello, hello. <laughs> Did I pronounce it? I should have asked if it's Laurent or Laurent or Laurent. Um, I I love it when people do the fancy French way, like Laurent. Laurent. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, ooh, I'm not to be trifled with. <laughs> um, but like my most people, I kind of say Laurent. Like I, okay. but my my like Midwestern like Michigan trash family is always like Laurent. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well then let me redo this. We're gonna go back, and I'm gonna say. Boys and girls, please give a warm Club Scout salute to Holly Laurent. Yay! <laughs> yeah. Now do one. Now do one the fancy French way. <laughs> Boys and girls, please give a cup. Holly. Uh, yeah, Bryce, you better do it. Holly Laurent, huh? Bad. It's oh, bad. Très bon, très bon, très bon. Holly Laurent. Only a matter of time. Uh, 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 Holly, welcome to the show. God bless. So How good to be here. How are you surviving this wet, hot alien summer? Whoo, you know, um, good days and bad. Um, sometimes just pacing in circles and rocking in the fetal position. Um, other yep. days just smoking pot during the daytime hours <laughs> and like giggling my troubles away. Um, that works too. So jealous. <laughs> Moments of productivity in there. Um, lots of dog walks, but um you know, it's just up and down. And then, you know, there are some medium days too. So I, I, I do have like d dark days where I'm just like, oh, despair and death. It looms. But, um, but then other days I'm like, okay, count your blessings, you know, like attitude, gratitude and all that shit. Um, yep. yeah, 
Yeah. But honestly, the protests have helped. Like, and we've tried to stay socially distant and masked and everything and like be as safe as we can with the protest. But once I started going to the protest, it it's the first thing that has made me feel kind of feel hope or encouraged when you just see the numbers and the beauty and the unity and the like using your voices and showing up and it's 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 helped it's definitely it's a helped boost. yeah and Great. you know michael i don't know about like riley and bryce but in me and michael's neighborhood like the the helicopters there for a while at the beginning were starting to make me feel like a crazy kind of like meerkat like sticking my little head out of my hole and then just like mm. sitting in my hidey hole like just with the whole like roof shaking and just being like what in the hell <laughs> it has felt very apocalyptic we living in hollywood <laughs> lately yeah and it, I, I don't even think you know this holly but we had a fire in our neighborhood <laughs> recently Jesus. uh my neighbor's compost caught fire in the heat what? and we had right oh, next yeah. door to me out back we had flames like 12 feet high that my entire building and our neighbor's bungalow uh, next door, we all ran out. We started putting out the fire, and the fire department came out and finished the job, of course. Thank you. Uh, but uh, I was just like, what? <laughs> I heard this like crazy snapping sound, and I almost thought a water main had broken and water was slapping onto the concrete. And I glanced out my window and saw two of my neighbors in my building run down the driveway like world war z style and i was like what is going on and i looked out the window and just saw these roaring flames and i was like fuck this is all we need right now is our entire building to burn down what do they think happened it just spontaneously combusted that's what what they think yeah that they they're in these big rubbermaid containers and there's some there were there's sort of an excess of brush around that area of the garden as well so i've never heard of that that's wild yeah all that gas inside of the uh you know all the oxidization and everything that's building up inside of those containers sometimes they can catch on fire or some of the brush around it caught fire in the heat and then set fire to the, to the compost tank right. yeah the, the decomposting process though it produces a lot of heat right so that's a, that is a known that's a thing that's not like a a mystery. Okay. This is why we needed Riley <laughs> why, around. Riley, you think I was going to like make it a mystery? I don't know. Maybe bit. it could have yeah, been you were like a person went out combusted. there and just spontaneously combusted, and that's what happened. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> Yuri Geller was there. Those were and... big in the 80s, you know? I was just heading that one off at the pass. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. UFO could have been a UFO beam. <laughs> I'm <been>. just saying. <laughs> just saying. Well, uh, speaking of the end of the world, uh, we have some Riley, this is a cue for you. I feel like you're trying to do it off time now. I'm not (laughs) because I'm starting and you're coming in late. No, dude. It's one, two, three, go. One, two, three. There you go. I did it right on three. (laughs) There it is. There it is. That was not. That was not in sync on my end. Okay, here we go. I have one to kick us off. Um, I don't know if you guys saw this, Holly. I don't know if you're up to date on the Mayan calendar from 2012, but um, the uh, oh god, oh yeah, here we go. The New York Post just reported alternate reading of Mayan calendar suggests (laughs) end of the world is this week. I'm Whoa. so glad you're doing this one. <laughs> if you this one was sent in to me by my sister, shout out Sarah, who sent it to me last night. I might have missed. I saw it this article. It's so great. 
If you thought COVID-19, civil unrest, locusts, volcanic eruptions, and hurricanes signaled Armageddon, you may be right. The reading of the Mayan calendar was wrong, according to a conspiracy theory on Twitter. And while the world didn't end on December 21st, 2012, as originally prophesied by calendar readers, Mayan doomsday is sometime this week or next. Following the Julian calendar, we are technically in 2012. The number of days lost in a year due to the shift into Gregorian calendar is 11 days. And then they do a bunch of math. And mm-hmm. uh, basically, all that missing time adds up to eight <laughs> years, scientist Paolo Tagaluguin tweeted last week, according to The Sun. The series of tweets has since been deleted. If Tagaluguin is correct, adding up all the missed days, then the Mayan doomsday date is this week. Uh, specifically, <laughs> uh, this Sunday, June 21st, I believe. Uh, I can just hear the- this. I could just hear the calculator going and just add some conspiracy math in there. And there we go. Perfect. I mean, literally, it's like 11 days equals 2,948 days, 2,948 days divided by 365 days. I mean, it's just basic math. I don't know why it looks so complicated to me. This is why I could never read the Mayan calendar. Holly brings Um, up a point, though. So that that falls on the summer solstice, huh? That's interesting. Yeah, because uh, because the original date, I think it was December twenty uh, first, twenty twelve. December twelfth, twenty. Yeah, that's what I said. It no, fell December twenty first. You're right. Yeah, uh, December it fell 21st. on winter solstice. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's interesting. Mayan calendar fans say, no, no, no. We just we did line up with the Galactic Center on December twenty first, twenty twelve, and the shift has been changing, has been happening ever since then. It's, yeah, you know, I would agree. It's not with like that. a, yeah. it's not like an end of the world. It's just a shift in consciousness. But you know what? If it is a shift in consciousness, it's lining up perfectly. Yeah, um, Holly, it, were, did you ever get into that twenty twelve doomsday stuff? I mean, I vaguely even remember hearing about it, and I always am like, God, I hope so, because I'm getting tired. Um, <laughs> but but I, my question is, according to the Mayans, when that was kind of all set in place, my question is, what was their idea of what the world was? Because I always think of that like with... Um, like with the story of Noah's Ark, like the, 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 the people were like the whole world flooded and it was probably because their village flooded and to them, that was the whole world. And then like evangelicals come later and have to try to come up with scientific explanations for how you would like flood the entire planet earth, like in, in that, you know? And so it's like, oh, what's their, what did they think the world is? That's a good question that I don't have an answer to. I just know that from reading about it during the time, from what I recall, and Bryce, back me up if I mm-hmm. if you know any of this stuff. But basically, there were like they saw the uh, world going through these mega, basically like sun cycles that lasted like every you know some would last like five thousand years or three thousand years, but basically they they created a calendar that mapped out their entire timeline and it ends at this certain point, which was originally December 21st, 2012, that was supposed to align with the return of Quetzalcoatl, who was a winged Winged serpent serpent God God, that 
and the serpent and the bird merged together represents matter and spirit coming together as one. The snake being, you know, bound to earth and birds being bound to the sky. That there was this idea of this was a time when um, sort of the spiritual realm and the human realm or the material world would come together once again. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It was a really fascinating thing. So they, the Mayans had a, a, a really accurate account of their, uh, of their cosmology and, and astronomical charts as well, which is sort of confounding to a lot of archaeologists. And they had this, these three different calendars. One was the short count calendar. And then there was a, like a medium count calendar. And then there was this long count calendar that ran in terms of like tens of thousands of years. And, and all their other calendars ended. They, I mean, they didn't end. They just, they just kept going. But it was this, it was this one long count calendar that had an end date, which kind of caused everybody to go, "Wow, why, why is this one ending? Why doesn't the cycle continue on this?" But they were adamant that no, it ends here. <laughs> so, hmm. uh, so that I think that's what kind of gave everybody a big stir of like, what's going to happen when it does end? But I don't know if they thought that we were flat Earth on sitting on top of a turtle. You know, right. I don't know. <laughs> Right, I don't know, right. like, what their idea of the globe. Well, I don't was. know that we're not. Yeah, right, right. You can't prove it. Can't prove it. <laughs> um, I also think it's interesting the shift in consciousness. Like that to me is like, yeah, God, I hope so. That could make total sense. And I just was hearing Margaret Atwood talk on the Sugar Calling podcast, and Margaret Atwood was talking about how we're in a really painful uh, shift, just in terms of. Her, her sort of theory or the way she views it is that like culture is kind of defined by the energy that fuels that culture. So we've been in a, a culture fueled by very cheap energy. Like as long as we were burning oil, it was really cheap. And so we were in a culture of consumption and waste. And um, she was like, we're right now feeling like an incredible, painful, growing pain of actually moving from um, cheap oil energy to like more sustainable energy. And we're, we probably won't do it on our own. We'll have to be forced to do it in the way we have to really be forced to, into doing most things like we're seeing right now with like the protests and stuff. It's like, we've, we've been seeing this our whole lives and we were all just sort of like wringing our hands and like, Oh boy, you know, and now it's like, we're going to have to be forced to make these changes. But like, um, her thing was that like moving into sustainable energy will create a culture of cons conservation rather mm -hmm. than cheap energy creating a culture of consumption and that it's going to like really hurt for a while because we're just so steeped in our in in the bullshit that feels really comfortable and normal to us and like moving from consumption and waste to uh conservation is going to be a good thing but it's going to like suck in terms of you know those growing pains i guess i thought that was kind of interesting and that might be like part of what is happening right now with all of this bullshit you know yeah well i think we can all agree big changes are are afoot uh, all over you know so mm -hmm. um it definitely is crazy times i think we're also moving into the age of aquarius too astrologically uh for whatever's that worth Ooh, what does um, that mean you know I, I don't know we'd have to talk to uh, a few people who probably have some more knowledge in astrology and stuff like that but i think um, i forget what uh, uh i think these cycles last about 2000 to 2500 years. years or something like that in terms of the uh they call it the procession of the equinox or something like that yep. and Ooh. and uh but anyway so we're moving it into a whole new astrological time uh this age of aquarius where where supposedly um you know 
where sort of some female power exists as opposed to getting rid of some of that uh that old masculine energy of the of the chart we were in for what 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 cycle are we in now? Do, well, you know, we, Michael, we're or? in Aquarius now. It, I think right. it shifted during the '60s, and prior to that, we had been in the age of Pisces yeah. for two thousand years, <laughs> which aligns with Christianity's reign and basically like spread throughout the Western world. And of course, it's interesting because fish, the fish, fish is also Jesus. a symbol for Christ. Right. And then the two thousand years before that. It was the it was Aries, which is the or yeah, which is the ram, mm-hmm. and a lot of the Old Testament and pre-Christian gods are associated, like the devil, are associated with horns, yeah, and like the and... golden calf and all this stuff. So it's this idea of a lot of the ram symbology became evil during the Pisces era because it was looking back on the old and vilifying what came before it to sort of encourage culture to be afraid of it and move forward. Wow. Um, So there's, there's this really great, um, maybe I can find the link and put, there's this great YouTube video that's narrated by, uh, um, why can't I think of his name? Uh, It's Darth Vader's voice. No, Darth Vader's voice. Who'd you oh, say? Oh, uh, James Earl Jones. Yeah. <laughs> um, James Earl Jones about like the Kali Yuga, the Great Ear, and the sort mm. of the cycle and procession of the equinox. It's really, really fascinating oh. stuff. But I don't know. Astrology is way over my head. <laughs> no pun intended. Yeah. Um, but it's funny. Uh, speaking of the solstice, I was at a winter solstice in December, this just past December, with this like shaman, and it was like really bananas and like super woo woo. And everyone had to like burn these things and do the, and there were like these drum chants and stuff. It was kind of great. I was like, what's going on? But uh, the shaman did this big thing about how, like, exactly what you just said, like the energy of the earth has been shifting from masculine to feminine. And so mm. it's like, and it was like expressing itself out through tibet and that's why there was such a like sort of like spiritual thing going on over in tibet but it was expressing itself masculinely and now it's moving and it's shifting somewhere over to like i don't remember where the shaman was saying it's shifting to it's going to be expressing itself or coming out of somewhere i think like south america or something and so it's expressing itself as feminine now and so like a lot of this like raging before the dawning of the light with like you know people like our current administration and stuff is just this like ah, like the kids not wanting to go to bed type of thing Mm -hmm. yep gets this idea of the return of the goddess and we see that in a lot of pop culture there's a great um anime film called persephone that came out i think it's persephone came out mm, uh about mm, it's been 10 years at least uh no paprika paprika is the name of the movie but it's all about this like idea of the return of the goddess and even the new star wars trilogy is all about the women of the star wars world taking back the balance and creating balance after the patriarchy had run afoul in the first two movies you know or yeah. two trilogies yeah. there was so a there's great like you see it when you look around yeah One, I, I there was a great book i have to recommend i loved it it was by an author named gary s bobroff but it was called jung synchronicity and the return of the feminine archetype and it just goes into like you know crop glyphs and and uh sort of all these sort of mystical experiences and and high strangeness accounts and and of course crop circles and how they sort of tell this this reemergence of the feminine archetype it's really wild but yeah there's something there i, I can't exactly put my thumb on it but yeah cool good stuff yeah Holly, um, it's well, your turn I to have take to, the wheel oh i was going to say i have a little piece of news here yeah 
Um, so this was reported out of, uh, out of, out of express website out of the UK, the SpaceX launch mystery, NASA video feed cuts out seconds after sighting of UFO closing in. So this was reported SpaceX launched 58 satellites into space on Saturday as part of its historic Starlink mission, but a mysterious sighting of UFOs during the live NASA stream on the rocket sent social media into meltdown. The incredible sighting of a UFO approaching a SpaceX rocket on Saturday sparked a social media frenzy. The mysterious object could be seen flying at high speed towards the Falcon 9 rocket before abruptly stopping. However, the NASA live stream of the launch was suddenly cut off just one second after the sighting, triggering claims of a UFO cover-up online. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it reminds me of those old, uh, you know, the old launchings of the uh, Apollo missions and those Saturn rockets when you'd see those uh, you know, the NASA would cut off the feed and those old radio ham operators would would still pick up some of the transmissions between the astronauts and uh, where they would report seeing something outside their window, you know. So it's very, very you mysterious. You can pick up astronaut radio on a ham radio? Well, those old, those, yeah, I think so. Not Maybe not That's a ham cool. radio, but there's, there, there's whenever they do launches, there's those independent radio traffickers who who pick up on those transmissions. Um, they pirate radio, you know? Yes. Wow. I saw those videos. I, I mean, there's definitely like a bright white light shooting past one of the, in the, the ship and the dragon or whatever it's called. And then in another video, and we'll post all these links in our show notes. One of it looks like something that might be falling off the rocket, like a piece of equipment. But I don't know. It's so hard to tell because you're looking at space. Who knows what's – I don't yeah. know. You know what I mean? Uh, it's it's hard to tell. But Holly, do you yeah. think that uh, some aliens might be following around Elon Musk in, 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 in the Falcon X rockets? <laughs> Fucking Elon Musk. Um I would say, you know what it's reminding me of, and I'm sure y'all have talked about this before, but it's really reminding me of, um, and and this was er, happened earlier this year, like the the fighter pilots who keep seeing stuff and like even recording it in their planes. Sure. Oh yeah. Like You're that's t- the one that got me, where I was like, I 100 percent believe it. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, and these these videos look somewhat similar to that. It's like a tiny little pinprick of a light shooting past. Um, I don't, you know, I don't know. Who knows what it is? And and it doesn't have any like flight surfaces or like f- in terms of the way we understand the laws of physics and how something can fly. It like doesn't it doesn't measure up. It doesn't add up of like how well, is it doing that? Yeah, well, nothing should be stopping if it's in orbit. There's no there's no you know physical law that would for allow an object to be moving in space and then suddenly stop. That makes you know, absolutely no sense whatsoever. So, yeah, yeah. It remind, it's, uh, it's definitely strange and uh, appears to be anomalous. So, I mean, dude, you know, why wouldn't they be observing a launch like this? I mean, um, I have no doubt that there's, you know, just like seeing those old NASA footage, you see those strange lights cross those video feeds. And God, it reminds me just of that. But um, yeah, I, don't I know. think whatever these, if that were the case, whatever these craft are observing are probably just like drones, you know, like mm. little probes of theirs that are zipping around. I don't think there's any entity necessarily in the craft piloting it, you know, because these yeah. things seem really small. Yeah. Riley, did you see the video? What is your take? 
I didn't actually see that video, I, so I don't have one. Sorry. <laughs> gotcha. I didn't. I didn't see it either. But who knows? Even like they could be so advanced that like their essence could like not require very much space in terms of us thinking they need to physically be in there. Like maybe they are. But also, it's, maybe it's like consciousness in another realm. Like the way it's looking like our consciousness in the future will just be this like weird online thing or whatever. Ollie, yeah. you are talking. You're, you're speaking talking our, our language right now. I just think that so many of these, like my feeling is that, yes, there's definitely stuff out there. And and um, my 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 heart tells me that, like, if they're checking in on us, my my sad fear is that they're they're catching some like really like wicked bad energy like coming off this place in terms of like a real sort of elementary schoolyard type of <laughs> conflict in terms of like whoa th- these this species is incredibly like is like warlike and wasteful and like and and just not exhibiting kind of like traits of i would say like advancing in terms of like consciousness and all that stuff so like my fear is that they're somewhat worried about us and like not wanting us to cause problems for more things than us and like maybe we are gonna destroy ourselves and maybe they're watching that my 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 thought is that if if there was i've never felt frightened of of the otherness that's out there because my thought is if they're advanced to the point where they can check on us or watch us or come in and snoop around and stuff. They're so much more advanced than us. And my, my guess is that the, the only way to advance is peace. Like we might just kill each other and drop a bunch of bombs and like lights out. Like, but if, if you really can embrace peace, that seems like the way forward in terms of being able to figure out how to advance. And so my guess is they're peaceful, but even if they were to destroy us, it would probably be because my guess is that's the better thing for an overall like greater truth or goodness i i it, that it wouldn't be like that just this malicious kind of like ah let's go fuck with these fuck faces you know like um th- but it's uh it, you know it's not like the killer hornets who just want to come in and like eat, eat the juicy <laughs> shit inside our torso <laughs> no it's a very astute observation and you know uh that's sort of the same messaging that you get across the contact experiences a lot of people you know, say these alien entities like we'll show them visuals of the of deforestation and, and and nuclear crisis and and all that stuff. So yeah, that's definitely part of the messaging. And then there's the oh. other side that can be like, you know, maybe these things feed off uh, negative emotions and energies and and uh, so yeah, but yeah, I think you're right on the ball in, in assessing at least part of what this mystery is. That's the thing; nobody really knows. I mean, because they haven't made their intentions clear. I mean. You get a lot of mixed messaging um, with aliens, and that's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> they, they really need to fix their fucking brand. <laughs> but, but don't you think it also could be that, like, we're just operating with so many rods and cones in our eyeballs, and so many like grooves in our brains, and like in our senses? I mean, we're we've got five senses. That doesn't seem like that much, and like we're we're sort of you know it's like the Higgs field and the goldfish thing of like a goldfish is like what the fuck do you mean water you're talking about nothing or whatever and that's what we're kind of doing in the Higgs field we're like oh you're talking about nothingness and um and like I I feel like we 
you know, a butterfly has so many more rods and cones in their eyeballs that they see thousands of colors or something. And we're like, nah, it's just Roy G. Biv, you know? Mm-hmm. And <laughs> and like, we just... Roy G. Biv, also the name of the man who sold my dad his first car. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good Oldsmobile. Um but but I, I think that that's a lot of what's going on, too, is we're like the dot. It's just the dot and it's not moving and it doesn't seem to have wings and stuff. But it's also like it could be like showing it could be appearing as something like, holy smokes. And we just don't have the senses or the brains or the the eyeballs or the rods and cones or whatever to be able to see it. It could be there. We just are like or just- it only Absolutely. shows up. It only shows up as like orbs or a silver disc instead of like it's fully full manifestation. Uh, I don't want to cut you off, Bryce. Uh, Holly, you sound really open minded. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we want to hear all about your personal paranormal history. Okay. And we're back with Holly Laurent. Uh, Bryce, what were you saying right before break? Oh, I was just saying, Holly's got a great knack for this stuff. She was sort of describing what we've talked about before on the podcast, uh, John Keel's super spectrum theory, which is really just that, you know, these entities and creatures and aliens sort of manifest themselves outside of our visible spectrum and our audio spectrum. Uh, you know, there's a whole ray of uh, of waves and frequencies that we, we we just can't pick up with our human sensory equipment. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. Who knows? Or even as Michael said, perhaps it's our consciousness that um, distorts the perception of what we're actually seeing as well. Um, So one person sees it as an orange orb. The other person sees it as a as a green alien with uh, wearing coveralls. So Mm -hmm. who knows? Mm -hmm. Yeah, because because we know from contact that it's going to look like they're going to come to us as our dad or someone we're comfortable with (laughs) on a beach. (laughs) <laughs> Holly, yes. what is your personal paranormal history? How did you get into this stuff? I mean, you seem to have an imagination built for these kind of things. Have you ever witnessed anything? Were you into this stuff as a kid? Yeah, I was sort of uh, primed perfectly for this because, but in a weird, the specificity of mine is is kind of cuckoo. Um, because I was raised by my dad was an itinerant evangelical like leader traveling around the country, bringing the good news of the gospel to like tent revivals and high school assemblies and county fairs and stuff. And so I was like sort of behind the scenes seeing on both sides of the curtain in that world and like, Whoa. And so as a kid, I was told, you know, everything was God and Satan, angels and demons, heaven and hell. And it was this like, dualistic thinking that was, (laughs) I found it pretty painful and scary, but there was also a massive element of supernaturalism to it that really just kind of um, messed with my little kid brain. Cause like normally you would think that the sort of compassionate thing for uh, an adult to do when a kid is scared is to be like, Hey, there's no monsters. We just have big imaginations and whatever. But like all the adults in my life were like, no, you're surrounded by very real demons who are seeking to devour your soul at all times. Like they're they're climbing the walls, but, but they would be like, but, the, the good news is the way they would comfort me is like, but there are also angels with fiery swords and they're fighting off those demons and the angels are working on your behalf. And so if you pray and call on the name of Jesus, like you're going to. And so 
it, it was a lot. And um, it took- so you grew up in like a hardcore high fantasy realm, basically. Yeah. Where there and- was like an invisible war happening around you yes. all the time. Your head, and- yeah. And where I was with my little soft kid mushy brain at the time, I was like, it's 100 percent real. It's not like, you know, listening to Harry Potter and then imagining this world of magic and dragons and giants and stuff. It was like, oh, no, this is reality. And it took me because my dad would like cast out demons and shit. And when as a little kid, you see someone foaming at the mouth, eyes rolled back in their head, like guttural noises coming from them. And it's like my whole thing was just. Just like when he gets that demon out of it, and my dad would start this whole thing of like, in the powerful name of Jesus, I command you to come out of this woman. Like I release you in the powerful name of Jesus. You have no stronghold here, Satan. I'm binding you and sending you back to hell. And like all this, like really like Game of Thrones type of monologue shit. And wow. like, um, and then as a kid, I'd just be like, oh shit. When the person would finally calm down, I'd be like, where did that demon go? I don't want it to get on me. Oh my God. And I thought it was so real. And so I would like develop all these crazy, like I would just walk around like whispering the name of Jesus all the time because I was sure that they don't like that name. I think so. They won't hit your ride on me if I keep saying the name of Jesus and like all this like oh. fear and stuff. But like it, it took me well into my God, probably late 20s to even be like, oh, epileptic seizures, like grand mal seizures are what look like, okay, guttural noises, eyes rolled back, foaming at the mouth. Got it. Got it. Okay. So they needed their neck stabilized. They did not need hands laid on them, you know? Mm, and Right. But that, but and it's still like, I will still like uncover little like rocks of have weird dogma under them in my brain where I'm like, whoa. That weird thing's still in there. I'll have to like check with my husband, Greg, a lot where I'll be like, wait, I just had, is this a thing? And he's like, no, that's crazy. And I'm like, okay, okay, okay. Wow. (laughs) So did you make a, did you make a 180 coming from that sort of upbringing to, I mean, where are you at now with, uh, with all of that stuff? I now, I don't know how titles, but like, I, I guess I would describe yeah. myself now as like a, just like a secular humanist, I, atheist, but sometimes atheists can feel so like loaded or whatever. And, but, mm-hmm. but definitely, definitely atheist. It's funny. I was like very atheist until I did mushrooms. And now I'm like, I don't know. There, there might be something, <laughs> even if it's just some other form of like, magic you know like like what water is to a goldfish that's sort of around us all the time and stuff and i don't so i I don't know but but basically just like a a pagan atheist heathen pervert now i guess (laughs) (laughs) was this this the infamous uh mushroom trip that greg told us about that ended with him hugging a rock and shitting into an ocean (laughs) That was a good one. That was a really good one. That's the one where that one was maybe my biggest one where like the earth started sharing her sound with us and we could hear the sound that the earth makes. It was fucking nuts. That like ohm thing. We could hear like the like really fucking specific um, like the the sort of like drone noise of the earth. It was really really cool and i was like oh you're alive wow i'm an ant on you and you're like wow you're really cool <laughs> yeah totally absolutely that's wild yeah when you were a kid did you ever experience anything or even a young adult that 
any kind of encounter or anything that would reinforce the evangelical upbringing that you had? Oh, yeah. I mean, I experienced demons and I and I look back now and I'm like, okay, what was that? Was it a psychotic break? Was it a um, like sleep paralysis? Was it, you know, you know how sometimes that sleep paralysis is like you're in a dream state, but you seem somewhat conscious. So it's like that threshold in between consciousness and unconsciousness oh, yeah. or whatever. Like, is it that or is it something from the outside in? Is it something from the inside out? Because I remember like at a lot of the like tent revival stuff that my dad used to do when people would speak in tongues and stuff, which we weren't around the Pentecostal type that often. So whenever we were more just like straight up evangelical, like you got to like do the sinner's prayer and like get, get snagged out of hell and into heaven. But um, whenever we were around the Pentecostals and they would start with the slain in the spirit and the speaking in tongues, it like really super duper freaked me out. But then when I was like in college, like taking some world religions classes and stuff, I remember like and this is when I still thought there was like an actual devil, like Satan, Lucifer, you know, um, who had a stronghold on the earth and, you know, but God was going to win in the end and we were all going to go to heaven or hell. Um, I, I remember um, uh, really feeling like, um, wait, I just had total pot brain. I have no idea where I was going with that. What no, was I talking it. about? I just really fell off the tightrope of, this is why you don't smoke cannabis, kids. Where was I going with that? What did you ask me, Michael? I was asking if you ever had an experience. You were talking about sleep paralysis, demons, things that reinforced that uh, worldview in the evangelical church. And you were saying that you you were basically like, the church is trying to get people out of hell. Yeah. Yeah. So when I would see people speak in tongues and then later in college, when I learned that like in satanic cults, oh, I still believed in Satan at the time. And then I learned that in satanic cults, they speak in tongues. And I was like, wait, how is that possible? Because if speaking in tongues is the Holy Spirit speaking the language of like a prayer, a secret prayer language through you, that your soul is communicating with your heavenly father in this like nonverbal state, but where your soul can express itself to its divine maker, blah, blah, Blah. Then if people, if Satanists can do it, then where's it coming from? Oh my God. And then it, and then it caused this thing in me where I was like, wait, so is it coming from the outside in or is it just coming from the inside out and anybody can do it? Because then I was like, oh wait, they do that shit in Islam and Christians like, like, you know, run of the mill Christians in America would be like, no, no, no. The Holy Spirit would not talk to some, uh, to a Muslim. They are not re-, you know? And so I'm like, wait, how's everybody doing this? Maybe it's from the inside out. And so sometimes, you know, you're tapping into something in your brain or whatever. And so then I was like, oh, were all my demonic experiences, like me tapping into something inside me rather, but I perceived it as coming from outside because I remember these things where I would remember um, like the walls doing like a wonk, wonk, warping thing and like a sort of like spinning kind of tornado energy coming down. And then the demon like like slapping its whole like physicality onto the like entirety of my body and like sticking dark talons into my mouth. So I couldn't speak. Holly, this is terrifying. Yeah. (laughs) And it's like, 
And it's like, is that because as a kid, I imagined those things. And so I started to experiencing them. But then the, so, so it's like, where is that coming from? Is that me? Is that, is that some like invisible monster? And it's funny. Cause I, I just did, I just did my first written and directed by um, film. It's just like a 10 minute, I'll, I'll send it to you after this. So you can watch it, but it's a 10 minute short called um, brought to you by Satan. And it's kind of a dark comedy that is a, is a true story of like, it's basically a family uh, grappling with the supernatural origins of a family dinner. And it's based on a true story where Greg and I were sitting at a dinner in an Italian restaurant with my mom and dad. And my dad looked across the table at me and he goes, Hey, did I tell you too, that tonight's dinner is brought to you by Satan? What? (laughs) And we were like, huh? And of course my, my poor fucking husband, Greg is like, say more are, are <laughs> we I, high right now yeah I, exactly it's one of those things of like did i get roofied or did i eat an yeah. edible i forgot about that's just now kicking in and <laughs> and so it, it anyway my dad proceeds to go on this thing of like oh how yeah you know uh you know uh uh tammy hempill she's the uh, sheriff down in berrien county she she got a call one night when she was on patrol to go over to the uh address that came through on her lapel thing and uh domestic disturbance domestic violence something like that she goes over there knocking on the door sheriff sheriff she feels this dark presence you know she's coming up to the house she keeps knocking sheriff nobody comes to the door finally she opens the door and peeks her head in and we're all like, wait, you can't do that. And he's like, he was responding to somebody who might need help. And we're like, okay. And so he like pokes his head in the door. And you know that thing that's on the countertop in the kitchen that you put all the knives in, that like black thing that all the knives go into? I don't know what that black thing is called. But anyway, all the knives have come out of that and they're hanging in the air. And butcher knives, steak knives, real menacing, you know, and they're just all hanging in the air right there in the kitchen and the sheriff's watching it, you know, and and all of a sudden, they start flying across the room. She shuts the door. She hustles down to her patrol car. She's all shaking, right? And she calls me. And I said, Tammy, you did the right thing. And I don't know what I had going on that night. I had something going. I can't remember, but I couldn't go over there. So I called the uh, assistant pastors at my church and I gave them the address that Tammy gave me and they go over there. And as soon as they get to the property, they walk up and they go around the perimeter of the property, the address, and they pray a hedge of protection. And then they bind the evil one in the powerful name of Jesus. And then they send him back to Hades where he belongs. And then they come home. They give me a call. They say, hey, Bob, it's done. I call up Tammy. I go, hey, Tam, it should be good now. It's done. Tammy goes over there, knocks on the door. Everything's restored. Everything's back to normal. And anyway, she was so happy that I was able to clear the joint for her that she uh, gave us this gift certificate to Papa Vino's tonight. So uh, t- tonight's dinner is brought to you by Satan. Jesus. Greg, did you ever get your uh, side of mayo there? <laughs> Greg, Holly, just... why doesn't your dad have a reality show? <laughs> no shit, right? So, yeah, Greg immediately just was like, excuse me, I have to use the restroom. And I'm like, you motherfucker, don't leave me here. That's... And, um... So anyway, I was just like, well, that's too good to be true. So I turned that into my first like comedy short. And um, it's kind of like a misdirect where you think it's going to kind of be a thriller. Obviously, that's but amazing. Then it's just, yeah. So um, 
But I, I sit there and, and like Greg and I were laying in bed that night talking and I'm just like, what the fuck do you think that was? And Greg's just like, I don't know. Maybe somebody was throwing knives and they were hiding behind a island or something. I don't, I don't know. And I'm like, but here's the thing. Like mm. my dad and I look at the same fucking thing and we just, is it semantic? We just describe it differently. Like what my dad Maybe. sees you know, I'm like, I look at it and I go, oh, that sounds like addiction and abuse. My dad looks at it and goes, oh, that's the powerful stronghold of Satan. But at the end of the day, d doesn't like addiction and abuse feel like an invisible monster, like fucking sticking its talons into your fucking back? Yeah. So is it just semantics? And Greg's like, nah, dude. And I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. So anyway, with or my- is it? A ghost, a poltergeist, like exactly. an actual poltergeist that's throwing knives around. Like, that's where my brain goes. Like, exactly. Well, that's proof that there's ghosts. Exactly. I'll, I'll send you my little film I did about it. But it, the reason Please. I even say all of that is because when I've had these, like, satanic and demonic experiences, I don't know, like, how much of it is semantics. And even, like, we were talking about with seeing orbs with the senses that we've been given and the way we can experience it. Like, I think my supernatural shit has been that way, too. But I think I have some kind of sensitivity to it because shit happens to me all the time. And, um... And it, and like, I can only sort of compare it with Greg because he's the only person I live with now. And he, he doesn't have any shit like this happen to him ever. And I think yeah. he mentioned that when he was on the show, actually, and compared himself to you the same way. I, I, I don't know where it comes from and why. But I also, I don't know. I don't know. Like, for instance, we a couple years ago checked into this like old building. We had an Airbnb in Paris. And like, as soon as we checked in, it was this beautiful old apartment, but the building was really, really old. And I just felt all this shit. And who knows, it could be that time is bendy. So you're feeling like all the different history and relationships and whatever, just because I'm sensitive to it or whatever. But the second that Greg fell asleep, like all these fucking bloodied, murdered, maimed horror scenes started to appear before me. And it was like one of the worst nights of my life where like they were all coming to me. It felt like the people who died in that building and really the ones that died violent deaths. And they were all showing themselves to me. And it felt like there was an appeal where they were like trying to be like seen, but also like this sense of like, can you do something like this was wrong or, or whatever. And I just the whole time was just like, oh, my God, like quivering like a leaf. And like, I don't want this. I don't want this. I'm scared. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I don't know what to do. Like, yes, I can see you. But I I, I, I am ill-equipped for how much this terrifies me, man. And then the wow. worst one was I was looking at one. I was in I was lying flat in bed. And I was looking at one at the foot of the bed that was like a kid one that was like all bloody. And I was like, fucking A, man. And it just looked like a kid that basically got beat to death. And it was like, this is really more than I, my little ticker can bear. And I totally. and I like turn to the side and I look at Greg, who's fast asleep. And he's on his, <laughs> he's on his side. Motherfucker. I know. Come on. He fought a gifted soul. Um, and... Uh, and he always can sleep so well and can sleep anywhere. And as soon as he lays down, he's asleep. And I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but um, he's lying there facing me on his side. And all of a fucking sudden, this woman just comes up underneath him. Her whole body is lying on what? her back. And he's face down. like, And so she comes up 
face up underneath him and he's face down and her face is just pressed right up against his face and she's making eye contact with me and is like pleading with me to like you see me right you have to acknowledge me and I just started screaming like get away from him wow (laughs) that's insane isn't it? Yeah, isn't it? And so the, so as soon as like Greg woke up, I like couldn't stop crying. And I was like, I'm honestly afraid to tell you of what has been happening tonight for fear that you will think I'm psychotic. And I told him the whole thing and I can't stop crying. And he just being very cool and, and, and not calling me psychotic. He was like, I don't know what to tell you other than that. When this shit starts to happen, it seems like your instinct because you're so fearful your instinct is to say no 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 i don't want this i don't want this this scares me he was like what if instead you just simply say yes and you wait and you open you just say yes and see what happens he's like you're a goddamn improviser you've spent your whole life like (laughs) training your dna your comedy dna for yes and just say yes and what and see see if it changes the dynamic and i was like oh does he mean acknowledge does does he mean like acknowledge these things you're seeing i think yes instead of pushing it away in fear going okay i do see you what What do you want right yeah yeah and so i was like all right that's gonna be hard but like let's go for it and it was probably it was probably months later maybe four five six months later we had kind of um been trying to get a little escape from la and we went up to ojai and we stayed at the ojai rancho inn which is one of my favorite little old like um uh one of those places where you like drive right up to the room it's only got like eight or 10 rooms and they're all open and there's like a pool in the middle and it's like an old motor lodge, you know, and totally um, old motel love this old motel. And, um, it has all these, like, it's all wooden walls and Greg falls asleep immediately. And, um, (laughs) God damn it. And, uh, and all of a sudden the, um, the wooden walls started like creaking and making noise, I think, because the temperature was changing outside. And so the wood was sort of like shifting or whatever. And I was like, it's just, I was like, this is the laws of physics. This isn't supernatural. This is just the temperature is changing and the wood is shifting. But all of a sudden, like all the knots in the pine started going like, like, like opening, like the, the, the holes were like, it felt like all this like portal shit. And I was like, here we go. And within an instant, like the room was full, like it was full with what I call from my old evangelical language. It was full of what I call a cloud of witnesses. Like they were just all there and they were all talking at the same time. And they, they were kind of like, it's sort of like that, that, that thin veil idea where I could see them, but it was more like just silhouette, but no like definition, you know? Yeah. But 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 packed. The room was packed and they were all talking at once and I was so scared. And I immediately started to like, no, no, please, 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 I don't want this. And I was like, oh wait. And I just stopped and I was like, Yes. And as soon as I said yes, they all got kind of quiet. And one, it was a male, it was a man, is all I know, from the back of the cloud of witnesses. He was they all quieted down and then he spoke and he was like I want to tell you something, but I want your permission first. And I was like, yes. And then he like moved through all the people like up to right in front of me. And he was like, 
You've been here 52 times and you're almost done. And I I was like, (laughs) and I was like, huh? And, and there was no feeling attached to it. It didn't feel positive. It didn't feel negative. It didn't feel scary. It didn't feel sad. It didn't feel happy. It didn't feel joyful. It just was. And I was like, okay. And then they all kind of just like dissipated. And I waited for Greg to wake up and I was like, oh my God, you got to hear. I finally said yes. And this fucker told me that I've been here 52 times and then I, and then I'm almost done. Like, God, you know, blah, blah, blah. And Greg's like, you don't believe in reincarnation. And I was like, I know, but I also don't fucking believe in ghosts. And they were all talking to me. And, right. and, um, and I was like, and if I've been here 52 times, I'm like, times the math, 365 days a year. I'm like doing the math. And I'm like, I could have been Jesus. I could. I'm like, I'm upwards of 2000 years old. I could have been Jesus. So you got to fucking do whatever I say. And he was like, (laughs) and Greg was like, but you don't believe in Jesus. And I was like, I am. (laughs) God, that is insane. I mean, Holly, it's clear that you're a medium. I mean, obviously, if you know, in the the world of this podcast, that's your medium. And you should maybe talk to another medium and work on figuring out how, I mean, it sounds like you can use your powers for good. I know. Do you refine it? (laughs) Did your, was your, where's your family from, first of all? Because I'm trying to pinpoint the accent and I love it. (laughs) I got Minnesota. Oh, close. I grew up in um in um Southwest Michigan until I was twelve and then we moved to the suburbs of Chicago. So I think I have a pretty okay, strong yeah. Chicago one. Chicago. Did yeah. your family have like did being uh, tent revival ministry, did that run in the family? Was you, was your dad's dad or your you know, was that something that's been passed down? Um, yeah. In fact, both my grandpas were um, pastors. Uh, one was like a crazy fundamental Baptist pastor, like mm. like Bible banging, like pounding on the pulpit, fire and brimstone kind of like old sort of prairie shit. And then my other grandpa was just a, an American Baptist, kind of like your straight down the road Protestant kind of conservative, like church with a steeple in a small town, Niles, Michigan, like with a small congregation who would come together and we would sing three hymns and then he'd give a message and you know yeah because i'm wondering like in my mind as i'm listening i'm like well so what if this is a gift that runs in your family but because of where your family grew up in the time that your grandfathers grew up that instead of it funneling into like the spiritualist movement or funneling Mm -hmm. into like we're psychics and mediums yeah it all Mm -hmm. got crystallized in the wrapping in the encasing of evangelicalism you know of 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 looking at this ability from a strictly religious point of view what does cloud of witnesses mean what does that turn that's a fascinating term i've never heard of yeah it's a term in the bible that basically describes like um i think it's sort of talking about like those who went before you who are now in heaven waiting for you and also like the angel forces who are like fighting in your defense at all times around you like you are the bible says that we are all like constantly surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses your angel team yeah (laughs) yeah and how is that any different than like exactly what you described like being able to tap into the spirit realm and people who have died ahead of you 
trying to give you some guidance or because the idea of like, so we have a, a recurring guest on our show. I'm sure she's listening Adela Levine, who's a medium and an intuitive. And she often talks about how the spirit realm will kind of step, step on top of each other to get to speak, you know? Yeah. And one of the things you have to do is be like, all right, I'm taking number, everybody hold on one at a time. And it sounds like in all of the stories that you were telling that, you know, it's just all these people being like, Oh, she can actually see and hear us. We got a live one. Please yeah. tell me what the fuck is going on. You know, yeah. or I have a message that I have to give you because not it because the guy sleeping next to you can't hear me. You can. So, yeah, of course, it would all come rushing into your hotel room at once, desperately trying to get a message through. You I, know, I've, I, Michael, I've never I can't believe I've never thought about it like that. But that makes so much sense. Yeah. Right. I mean, and it's not my idea, but that's fascinating that you haven't. But the, but the, but the, then you know that makes so much sense. Then if you're growing up in a religious household and this is an ability that you have, or your say your grandfather had this, or even your dad, that they're like, oh yeah, it's angels and demons, of course. And this and it reinforces everything that they're doing. I'd be interested in if your dad had any experiences like what you've had as a child like watching the room throb or feeling like there's a demon in there yeah, yeah. um i bet he has i i i bet he has and it's interesting because like even as a kid i would get premonitions and i would get visions of people that would always come true and it's it's crazy like even and i still have them all the time like the one that really bothered me that happened like a year ago is that I had this horrible premonition where I saw this like sort of caramel colored salamander and it was trying to walk, but its back leg was smashed and it was like dragging its back leg. And I was like, like it was making me feel like shivery and, and, and like sort of sick all over. And I was like, Oh no, what does this mean? What does this mean? And that day my dog blew out her fucking knee and had to like get knee surgery. And then it took like six months to like get her to walk again. And I was like, Christ, like, so like just weird kind of premonitions like that. And your dog is caramel colored. Dog is caramel colored. And it's like, Oh God, stuff like that happens to me all the time. And I think it happens even in ways where I'll just uh, disregard it or won't even like, I'm just not giving it the right focus or I'll just be like, Oh, that's my weird brain. And like, and and it's, and it's hard too, because my brain just does feel like it's different. And like, I, I, it's funny because I think I got into comedy and every time I get a really good laugh on stage, I, I always kind of like have to do the math backwards and be like, wait, why did they laugh at that? Because usually it's it. And I act like, Oh, I meant to be funny, but I like actually didn't. I just was saying the way I see the world because when I try to act like a normal person, I get like strangely concrete, maybe almost like what it feels like for an autistic person to try to be like, okay, the, the, you know, facial expressions and all that stuff that seems to come more naturally emotionally to other people who don't have that, um, who, whose brains aren't like that. Like for instance, <laughs> The one I always tell is so dumb, but like one time Greg and I were like driving through this tiny town and sitting at a stoplight and I'm looking at this building that says Eagle Storage. And I was like, wow, this place is wild. And Greg was like, why? What do you mean? And I was like, just that so many people around here would have eagles that they would need like a storage facility. (laughs) 
And like, just like you, he laughed. And then I, I did this thing that I always do where I'm like, wait, why did he laugh? And then I act like I meant to be funny. And then it takes me a second to be like, oh, that's just the name of the storage facility, but there aren't eagles in there. But when I'm trying to be a regular human that like sees the world like other humans, like while I'm ignoring all this other shit, I'm like, oh, if that says eagle storage, there's eagles in there. I did this just the other day in LA sitting at a stoplight. I saw this place called Silver Liquors and I was like, Silver Liquors? I've heard of Goldschlager, but I've never heard of like, I don't know if you could drink silver. And like, I sat there thinking that for the long, <laughs> the longest time. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm so dumb. <laughs> Holly, I think the world needs more people like you. I second <laughs> that. You are a fascinating, fascinating guest. I wish we could talk to you for another hour, but we have to move on with the rest of the show. Let's go. Uh, but we're. We're going to do it with a fun game that we like to play with all of our guests. I'm going to go down. This is going to be really fun for you. I'm going to go down a list of phenomenon. And if you're open to it, you're going to say, believe it. If you're not open to it, you're going to say bullshit. Got it? Got it. This is a game we call bullshit or believe it. All right. Holly Laurent, on your mark. Get set. Ghosts. Believe it. UFOs. Believe it. Bigfoot. Mm, I don't know. Bullshit? Little gray aliens. Well, that's the way our eyes see them, so believe it. Out of body. <laughs> but they're really Out of spectacular. Body. <laughs> Out of body experiences. Believe it for sure. Have had it. Just do mushrooms, baby. Oh, brother. Uh, <laughs> demonic possession. Too many stories. This is great. Demonic <laughs> possession. Bullshit. The Bermuda Triangle. Oh, believe it. Alien abductions. Um, sure, believe it. Loch Ness Monster. Yeah, believe it. Time travel. 100% that's actually true. Mothman. Don't know what it is, so I'm just going to say bullshit. Reincarnation. Uh, even though I think it's true, I'm going to say bullshit because i just bullshit. 52 times, Holly. I ESP. Know. ESP. <laughs> um, believe it. Haunted houses. Believe it, because I think it's just bendy time, and those people are there at the same time. And to you, th to them, you're the ghost. The Illuminati. Uh, I don't really know enough about it. Do you think? There's it's a no. Nah, I think it's bullshit. I mean, I think okay, I think it's all in plain sight. Like, I, I, I mean, no one's asking me, but yeah, um, I think it's I think it's obvious who's in charge on this planet, and uh, you know, uh, there's a face on Mars. <laughs> hmm. Uh, bullshit? Skunk ape. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Well, you just unlocked a All secret right. game. <laughs> Bryce, get ready. Uh, <laughs> heaven. Um, bullshit. Hell. Bullshit. Sea serpents. Believe it. Poltergeists. Mm, bullshit. Chupacabra. Don't know what it is. It, uh, it's like the, 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 they call it the, uh, goat sucker. Hmm. It's like a little creature that sucks the blood out of That's goats. Great. They call it the Every goat time sucker. you try to explain it as the goat sucker, it becomes <laughs> what more it confusing. <laughs> what it is. Okay, so bullshit. Atlantis. Uh, bullshit. 
Life on other planets. Uh, definitely. I mean, not anywhere we can see, but way out there, yeah. Parallel dimensions. Absolutely believe it. The apocalypse. Well, I think we're looking at it, right? Life after death. God, I hope not. Bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, congratulations. Uh, real quick. Uh, time travel. You said 100%. 100%. Yeah. Because... I was listening to a Science Friday where they said if somebody knocks on your door and says, I'm your great, 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 great grandchild, you should believe them because they've in time they've figured it out. And like there's no such thing as time. It doesn't appear in the rigorous math. There's nothing in physics that accounts for time. It's a sensation that we're having. But in whatever this thing is, we think of time like whenever, wherever they have figured it out. That was the most stoner thing that's ever been said on this show. <laughs> okay, we have uh, Bryce, uh, because you don't know who Skunk Ape is, uh, if people don't know who Skunk Ape is, it unlocks a secret game called Bryce Has 60 Seconds to Sell Skunk Ape. So he's going to tell you what Skunk Ape is. Probably get a search engine ready if you have one nearby. Okay. Um, Bryce, I'm setting the clock, okay. and he's got 60 seconds to convince you that Skunk Ape is real. Uh, get ready, Bryce, on your mark, get set, skunk ape. Holly, so just type in skunk ape and then bring up the images. You should see like a couple images of this large hairy creature sort of bending over. Uh, there's actually two images. There's one and then the other one, he sort of stands up a little bit and opens his mouth a little bit. So in Sarasota, Florida, an old lady sent an anonymous letter because she thought something was taking her apples out of her backyard. And she was really worried because, you know, she had grandkids that would often come over. So one night she took her camera outside and she said she took two 30 pictures. Seconds. And as the flash went off, she caught the monster, the creature. And then she took one more picture and it was sort of standing up as she took the second picture. Now you can see the canines on that creature and the refraction from its uh, from its eyes. So, uh, you know, it's definitely a biological creature. Now, this is seconds. just sort of the cousin of the Pacific Northwestern Bigfoot, only it inhabits Ten. the swamplands of Florida. Anyway, that's the Florida skunk Five, ape. Uh, four, she thought somebody had lost three, an orangutan. Two, one, <laughs> done. Holly. That's some, Do you buy skunk ape? There's somebody in a costume. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Bryce, you lose 60 <laughs> seconds to sell skunk ape. Okay, we got to take Get a quick break. When we come back, it's time for this week's story of high strangeness and the kickoff of wet, hot alien summer here on Bigfoot Collectors Club. Woohoo! Okay, guys, it's back. It's back. The show is back. <laughs> it's back. Uh, Bigfoot Collectors Club, uh, we're kicking off our summer of alien fun with a story of high strangeness that traces back to the origins of my fascination with the subject of the unknown and the unexplained. Uh, this is a story that I first came across as a boy while watching the scariest show ever made unsolved mysteries oh, um so good and i actually went back for this and rewatched the episode that terrified me as a child um which turns out to not be very scary at all but <laughs> you know why this might uh get me a little spooked um this is the story 
of the Kecksburg UFO crash. So, December 9th, 1965, a fireball shoots across the twilight sky over Pennsylvania, having traveled hundreds of miles from the north over Ontario, taking a 25-degree turn over Cleveland and then winding its way towards the village of Kecksburg, Pennsylvania, located 30 miles southeast of Pittsburgh. Kecksburg, it should be noted, sits at the eastern end of the Ohio River Valley, an area that's rife with high strangeness, as many of our previous episodes have explored. At 4.47 p.m. on December 9, 1965, eyewitnesses, many of them children at the time, like Roy and Rob Landry, two brothers, watched the fireball as it zoomed overhead, spitting colors of orange, red, and purple in its trail. Kevin Kalp and his sister Nadine were in the yard of their farmhouse when they saw the fireball streak across the sky and crash into the nearby woods down in a ravine. They rushed indoors to tell their mother, Frances Kalp, who had been listening to reports of the strange object on the local radio station KDKA. And this is a reference to, uh, just sidebarring here, the film The Vast of Night, which we reviewed over on the other side, takes part of its inspiration from this story. And the radio DJ who was taking calls all night long from eyewitnesses saying they saw the strange object streak across the sky. So uh, he's taking calls from local residents concerned that it might be a crashing airplane. And Francis called in to the show to say it wasn't an airplane. Or if it were, it was only a piece of one because it just landed across the field down the hill from her home and she could see smoke rising up from the tree line. She hung up satisfied and ready to move on with her evening. But two to three minutes later, Frances received a phone call from the U.S. Navy who had heard her on the radio and told her to keep an eye out and call back if anything strange happened. Should I call the fire department, she asked. No. Call us and we'll call them. Francis hung up the phone and quickly called her girlfriend to tell her the news. And less than a minute into that conversation, the switchboard operator interrupted and told Francis that state police were on the line. They needed to speak with her urgently. Not long after she hung up with the police, a state trooper showed up with two unidentified men in civilian clothes carrying radiation detectors. The two men headed down into the woods as locals began gathering at the Calp farm to get a glimpse of what Francis had reported on the radio. Francis turned to the state trooper, confused, and asked, why are there so many people interested in seeing this thing? He responded with, they think they're going to see something, but when it comes out of here, they won't see anything. Around dark, volunteer fireman Jim Mays guided two state troopers out to the crash site, and he claimed that he could see bright blue flashing lights illuminating from the object in the distance, kind of like welder's lights at at timed intervals. The area was put on lockdown by police, and 30 volunteer firemen headed out uh, out to the site. The UFO had uh, dragged along the earth as it crashed, raking up the ground in its wake, creating a trench before finally coming to a halt halfway buried out in the woods. Now, one of the volunteer firemen was a guy named James Romansky. He told his experience to Unsolved Mysteries. It was a humongous metal object buried in the ground about six feet out, six feet around, and every bit 10 to 12 feet long. And it looked to me exactly like a fresh acorn. 
No wings, no motors, no propellers, no identification as to the type of aircraft that I would have known. There was a bumper running along the bottom part of it. Along that bumper what was what I called, it looked to me like ancient Egyptian hieroglyphics. Star shapes, figures, circles, and lines. Romanski spent the next 25 years studying uh, world languages and symbols, both modern and ancient, and claimed that he has never seen anything that came close to resembling what he saw written on this giant acorn craft. Weird. As the local firemen stood around the object examining it, the military arrived on the scene and proclaimed that the site was now quarantined and everyone had to leave. The military was in charge now. Within three hours, the Kecksburg Fire Station was filled with military men who set up a command center. They also commandeered the Hayes Farmhouse near the ravine. The commanding officers told Lillian Hayes to send her children to bed and started making mysterious phone calls to various government agencies. Calls which never appeared on the Hayes family phone bill. Local resident Bill Weaver was 19 uh, at the time. And just one of the many rubberneckers that had parked in the field overlooking the crash site. They could all see bright lights down in the wooded ravine. Weaver recalls a truck showing up and guys dressed in full moon suits unloaded giant white boxes, too small to fit the large uh, Volkswagen-sized craft, but large enough to carry any contents that might be found within the object itself. Army officers arrived and ordered the crowd to disperse, telling Bill Weaver if he didn't leave, they'd confiscate his car. And everybody knows that in 1965, the most important thing to a 19-year-old boy is his car. Hell yeah. They provided no answers to the questions, what the hell is going on? And what is that thing? James Romanski, the volunteer fireman who described the strange writing on the object, saw a flat, flatbed truck take the Volkswagen-sized acorn object away, covered beneath the tarp. This detail is corroborated by John Hayes, a boy at the time who remembers watching the truck with the tarp covering the object going past his bedroom window at night. UFO researcher Stan Gordon studied the Kecksburg case for years. Which, to me, Michael, rivals Roswell in its significance. There's no bodies or pilots reported by eyewitnesses, but the actual crash site has far more civilian eyewitnesses than the crash that happened in Corona, New Mexico back in 1947. That had been discovered by a lonely ranch hand, Mac Brazel. But here, we have dozens and dozens of eyewitnesses seeing this object uh, in the woods, let alone 30 volunteer firemen who got an up-close look at it. Now, many theories as to what the Kecksburg UFO was have been made. And the first is the official explanation put forth by the U.S. Air Force. It was a meteorite. Stan Gordon flatly refuses this explanation, not only because of the description of the object by the witnesses like Romanski, but also because of the zigzaggy flight pattern of the object as it twisted and turned in the night skies over North America that night. Witnesses in different cities even claimed that the object seemed to slow down as it descended, suggesting that some type of intelligence was doing its best to guide it. Another theory is that the object was spaceborne, but perhaps a capsule or a satellite. There's a recent theory that it was a U.S. spy satellite that crashed and was meant to spy on the Russians during the Cold War. However, there is no NASA logging of space debris crashing in Kecksburg 
on the night of December 9, 1965. And what's and up with that? satellites don't zigzag anyway, you know what I mean? Yeah, and what's up with that strange writing? So another theory points out that the shape of the acorn, of the craft itself, could be related to Daiglach, or the sinister Nazi bell project. Which, Bryce... Maybe I we'll might be covering see. next week. So regardless of the truth behind the mysterious Kecksburg UFO crash, it is forever preserved in the folklore of the area. Every summer, with the exception of this one, thanks COVID, the town throws to Kecksburg UFO Festival, <laughs> which raises funds for the volunteer fire department. And if you're in the area and you want to grab a photo, the UFO prop used in Unsolved Mysteries is on display in Kecksburg, posted on a tall uh, post. Um, so that's it. That's the story of the Kecksburg UFO incident, one of our uh, lesser-known Roswell-type UFO crash stories here in the United States. And I got to tell you, researching this story and watching that Unsolved Mysteries made me want to binge every episode of Unsolved. <laughs> like, I want to get super baked and watch all of Unsolved Mysteries. Do it. Yes. COVID won't stop you. That's okay. true. Live your dream. Um, so what do you... Uh, yes, I'm social distancing myself from Robert Stack. Uh, Holly, what the <laughs> hell was that? Man, my mind was racing the whole time. I was like, it's this, it's this, it's this, it's this. It's sort of like... um. I don't know. I was thinking about the day I learned that shooting stars weren't weren't stars that were dying out, but were just pieces of space garbage on fire. <laughs> <laughs> and and I've never had a, a romantic moment since. Um, <laughs> All my yeah. wishes turned to trash. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, yeah, my mind was racing. I was like, "Is it just space garbage? Is it a thing?" The slowing down is interesting, and but the honestly, the thing that felt the most unrealistic was the efficiency with which the supposed government or military kind of like cleaned <laughs> it up. Yeah, really. <laughs> well, things were different back during the Cold War. <laughs> yeah. I, I, um, yeah, to, well, I was going to say satellite, but you're right. It wasn't moving like a satellite. And That's so the big theory right now is that it was a Cold War era satellite. But I don't know about the writing and all that stuff is really weird. You yeah, know? because, listen, that's not the first time we've heard of a craft with these strange hieroglyphics. You see it time and time again, whether it's the Rendlesham Forest incident or the, uh, uh, the Socorro saucer. There's, uh, you know, there's multiple cases with these strange hieroglyphics. It makes me wonder if, like, you know, there was some lost civilization or something that might have. I mean, who knows? Who? What is it a reference to? Right? I well, mean, what obviously if it's, some, it's like, not Egyptian, but what if it's some kind of military code? You know what I mean? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, perhaps, but uh, I don't know. It's definitely strange. It's strange that it would be like hieroglyphic. Sometimes I'm like. Then it feels man-made if it's like hiero. Well, I don't know. I mean, we know from Arrival that if it was from aliens, it would be written in those circle kind of alphabets. Yeah, and yeah. I don't think this was necessarily like straight, straight up Egyptian hieroglyphics. It was just that that's the closest thing he could compare yeah, like it to. Symbols. It was just yeah. symbols, but he could see stars and circles and lines yeah. and like you know, I was in the I was in the bookstore the other day and I I came across Graham Hancock's Underworld, where I mean it's this monumental uh 
undertaking where he explores sort of the depths of the ocean and he finds all kinds of evidence for for really lost civilizations uh, that are resting on our ocean's floor. And I don't know, you know, sometimes when you see these crafts, it's like perhaps these lost civilizations had access or gained, you know, you know, to these high tech devices. And who knows, maybe they're able to scatter themselves across time or deliver maybe us, me- it's like deliver an us old... messages from th- these spacecrafts. What I, if I it's an ancient satellite that just, you know, came back down into Earth, you yeah. know, from like thousands yeah. of years ago? Have you ever seen, because like we're sending out stuff like that? Like the, that's the drunk history I did was about the golden record that oh, um, yeah. Carl, Carl Sagan and Andrew. Sure. Yeah. Like, have you seen the, the images that we chose to represent humanity that we sent yeah. into space? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was all the good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. But even like even like the font and the like drawings and stuff, there was so much room for improvement. Also, I love that we were like trying to represent what humanity looks like. But it, like it was this fucking puritanical 1970s bullshit where they're like, you can't show a naked the shape of a naked lady. Yeah. Right. We can, yeah. We're going to send a dick pic, but no boobs. <laughs> no. It's like, really? What are we talking about? So it's interesting to see like the way we represent ourselves and then um, you know, as like we swallow and we pee and everything. Like, <laughs> I wonder what their uh, what their hieroglyphic of a man pooping. I is. mean, <laughs> it, yeah, I mean, it really makes a case for it. It just is what it is. It's, it's a crashed alien probe or, or or spaceship. I mean, you know, why not? Yeah, why not? I say why not. And also, Michael, you can read me a, a bedtime story anytime. That was oh. I was like totally riveted. Oh, well, thank you. I live just down the street. So if you, you know, if Greg falls asleep and you're having troubles, just give me a ring. I'll come on. Down stand beneath my window <laughs> yeah. with a flashlight and a book. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Holly, thank you so much for being uh, a guest on the show today. What a fantastic guest. I wish we could talk to you for two more hours. We'll have to get you back on the show for one of our L Files episodes. Maybe you and Greg can come, come do that. I know. I feel yeah, like I feel like you unlocked a two parter. Yeah. <laughs> And um and I I couldn't have uh, enjoyed myself more. I swear to God, like you are lovely, lovely fellas and interviewers. And I don't know. Just one last quick question: Have you heard the Kyle Kinane thing about Bigfoot? No, no but I, you're that? not the first person to bring that up to me. So I hear that we have to get him on the show. So yeah, oh, you will love him. He's my favorite stand up. I love him so much. And on his Whiskey Icarus album, you can like YouTube it or just pull it up on Spotify or something, but he has a whole thing about Bigfoot. And his thing about why people deny there's a Bigfoot is because if you've experienced Bigfoot, so what Bigfoot does is he sneaks into your tent and he fucks you. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's like the it's like the the like survivor's mentality of like not telling nobody. Tell your um, story now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So after I said bullshit on um, on Bigfoot, I'm like, oh, now they're going to know I fucked him. <laughs> but you'll enjoy it. Kyle Kinane, um, Bigfoot. Bigfoot. You'll, you'll love it. And thanks so much oh for the God. opportunity, fellas. I hope you have a great day. I hope you survive this COVID summer, man. I hope we make it past the uh, summer solstice, June 21st. Oh, but boy, if not, oh I'll see you in hell. Well, Holly, yeah. don't go away too quickly. <laughs> don't run off into the night like Bigfoot too fast. Where can people find you? Uh, on social media or to check out your work. 
Um, uh, Mega the Podcast is our um, comedy podcast where it's a fully improvised satire where we play characters who work at a fictional mega church. It's so fun. We have a different guest on every week and they play a different like person in the in the church community. Um, and then my Instagram is Holly Laurent and my Twitter is Laurent Holly. And um, uh, yeah, um, um, and-, and maybe we'll throw your uh, if you send us a link, we'll throw the short uh, a link to your short film in our show notes. That would be oh. great. Absolutely. I'll send it to you, fellas. You'll like it. Although Fantastic. now you've kind of already seen it in your mind. Uh, I told we you. really haven't. Uh, follow us on Instagram at Bigfoot Collectors Club, on Twitter at Bigfoot Pod. And hey, merch, we've got it. Head over to campfire.media, click shop and blast away for on a number of BCC themed t-shirts. Uh, please give me a follow on Instagram at McMills. Bryce is Mr. Bryce Johnson and Riley is at Peace Drone. Uh, boys, anything else to plug? Riley, we've been getting a lot of questions about where people People can listen to Spindrift or buy your music. Oh my God! Well, the album is going to come out some at some point. I don't know when still, but uh, there are there's a bunch of albums already out on Spotify. Um, we did give that sneak peek of one of the tracks to our Patreon subscribers, so thank you guys for that. Fantastic! Um, yeah, Great. but right, it's Bryce. coming. I don't know. Who knows? Okay, know. sounds good. Bryce, anything to listen? Uh, any any plugs? Nope, not right now. But news to come. Great. Fantastic. Guys, head over to Apple Podcasts. Please give us a five-star review. Keep it short and sweet like Instagrampa, who says, great discussions on the paranormal. Must listen. Thank you so much, everyone. I remain Michael McMillan for Bryce Johnson and Riley Gray. Until then, good night and go get regressed. Bigfoot Collectors Club is produced by Riley Bray. Our theme song is Come Alone by Sun Eaters, courtesy of Lotus Pool Records. If you like the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps get the podcast to more listeners. To support the show, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash Bigfoot Collectors Club and unlock multiple reward episodes every month. Hey guys, Heather Ashley here, host of the Big Mad True Crime Podcast. If you're looking for a true crime podcast with all of the details and none of the small talk, you have found your people. Each week, we dive deep into a new case and learn everything there is to know, from getting to know the victim and the impact their case has had on those around them, to the investigation into what happened to them and who is or might be responsible, and if the bad guy looks like he might drink whiskey by a dumpster or has the social skills of an ogre, we say it because we were all thinking it anyway. As the name suggests, we get big mad over true crime, and I would love to have you join our incredible community of listeners with big hearts and zero time for small talk. Subscribe to Big Mad True Crime anywhere you listen to podcasts and listen to new episodes every single Monday. Hey, this is Eric Malinsky, host of the podcast Imaginary Worlds. Each episode, I explore different sci-fi fantasy genres, talking with filmmakers, novelists, game designers, cosplayers, comic book artists, and anyone who works in the field of make-believe. I also look at the fan experience, asking, why do we suspend our disbelief? You can subscribe to Imaginary Worlds wherever you get your podcasts.